Well, welcome back to the Powell Butte Christian Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. My name is Trey Hinkle. I'm the lead pastor here at Powell Butte Christian Church in the Powell Butte community in Central Oregon. Good to have you with us. If this is your first time, I'd encourage you to go back and uh, check out uh, other um, podcasts. Um, we're going through the Gospel of Luke and have been doing that for most of this year. Uh, it's been an, a good study. It's been an intensive and an extensive study, and but we have a lot of um, podcast episodes that you could uh, go back and, and kind of catch up on. If, if you're coming back, thanks for uh, being with us again. I hope that you're excited to uh, continue on. Before we begin, uh, I got a cute little story. There was a Sunday school teacher asking her kiddos, they were the kindergartners, about the requirements to get to heaven. She said, you know, if I sold my house and my car and I had a big garage sale and I gave all the money that I earned uh, with those sales, if I gave that to the church, would that get me into heaven? Well, the children all answered, no. And the, the teacher was quite proud that, uh, that the children had been listening uh, for the last several weeks. Uh, but she, she continued on. She goes, well, if I came to the church here every day, and I cleaned, and I mowed, and I vacuumed, and I made sure everything was beautiful for the people coming on to church on Sunday morning. Would that get me into heaven? And the answer was no. Well, said the teacher, then how can I get to heaven? And at the back of the room, this one little five-year-old shouted out, You gotta be dead! <laughs> You got to be dead. That's the requirement, right? At least in the in the lives and the minds of these five-year-old kindergartners, right? Now, the last couple of weeks, if you've been paying attention, it's been pretty stark. Uh, Jesus's messages have hit home. Uh, they he does not pull punches, if you will. Today's no different. There is a clear warning to us in his teaching in Luke chapter twelve, and some people come away fearful because of that warning. But I believe, it's, it's my opinion, that true disciples of Jesus will hear what he is saying here in chapter 12, verses 35 and following, and they are going to actually find a lot of encouragement instead of being afraid. The message is about the end of the world, when we get to go to heaven. And now, <clears throat> that is a hotly debated subject, I know, in Christian circles. Because some scholars, they've done their homework, and they believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. Now, rapture just means a catching up. And so they believe that it's before the, the great tribulation that God will take the church, his people, out of the world so that they don't have to go through it. Some believe in a mid-trib or mid-tribulation rapture where it's in the middle of the, the tribulation before things get really bad that God will then rescue his people. And some people, some people believe that we're going to stay uh, through the whole thing and it will be a post-tribulation um, uh, rapture. Uh, so, some believe uh, in that all this stuff is going to happen before the thousand years of Christ. They're called pre-millennialists. Some people are post-millennialists. Some people are amillennialists. Amillennial just means that uh, the thousand years that we read of in, in Revelation are not a literal thousand years, but that we're actually living in the millennium right now, the millennial kingdom right now. So post-millennial, amillennial, pre-millennial, you know, I, I have a long time ago figured, you know, I'm just a pan-millennial. Well, what's that? Pan-millennial? Well, no matter how it happens or when it happens, I, I just believe that it's all going to pan out in the end, right? Now, you probably have your 
opinion. You've done your study. You've got the guys that you listen to, the gals that you read, and they have um, showed you their bias and you believe in that. But it, ultimately, guys, it doesn't matter what your view is on the end times. Right? I think we can all admit that the return of Jesus is closer today than it was last week. Okay, That's a pretty good bet right there. But what I think is cool is that people today in, in the Western world, as more and more pressure begins to take place and, and, and the church begins to experience some things that uh, believers all around the world through the centuries have had to deal with when they're not in the majority and they don't get to make the rules, I, I think people are paying more and more close attention to what's happening in this world. What's happening in our culture? And, and, and for those of us who have enjoyed a relatively easy Christian journey, I think maybe we're heading into a time, like I said before, when we have to deal with the pressures and the pain and the persecution. But the question of today, then, is this. Whether it's premillennial, postmillennial, pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, whatever. If Jesus were to come back today, would you be ready? Would you be ready? And some of you say, well, yeah, but again, I'm not going to be there when Jesus comes back. I'm either going to die before he comes back or I will be raptured before he comes back. Okay, either way, folks, even if that is the case, you're one day going to have to stand before the judge of the universe. And the same question is going to apply to you. Will you be ready for the rapture? Will you be ready for your death? Will you be ready to stand before God in his judgment seat? Now, I've never been one of those, oh, it's the end of the world, it's the end of the world kind of guys. You can uh, ask the people in my church. I, I don't tend to go there. But I do go here. The Bible's very clear that Jesus could come back. I believe the Bible tells us that Jesus could come back at any time. So if I'm wise, I'm going to keep that in mind. And I'm going to soberly consider... How am I living and how am I investing my resources, my time, my talent, my treasures? How am I investing in that future when Jesus does come again? See, that's what Luke 12 is going to be all about. See, right after this passage where Jesus says, don't fear, don't be anxious about anything because God will provide. He then shares three short parables, really short parables, um, to illustrate the importance of being ready. Now, we're going to talk a little bit later on about not getting ready. <clears throat> now, that, that's, not, that's not what he wants us to do is get ready. He wants us to be ready when he does return. So with that in mind, we're going to look at two things that, that are very clear in the light of Jesus coming back. First of all, Jesus wants us to be watching. He's coming back, so be watching. Now, b before I even read this, these next uh, few verses... If you've got uh, your Bible open, that's great. Grab a pen or a highlighter or a pencil. And I want you to go to verse 37 real quick and find the word either awake, if you've got the ESV, or watching, if you have the NIV or the King James Version, or alert, if you have the Revised Standard Version, or uh, ready and waiting, if you've got the New Living Translation, or things like that. Watching, uh, awake, alert, ready and waiting. And I want you to highlight that or underline it. It's okay. It's okay to underline in your Bible. It doesn't have to be pristine by the time you, 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 you go to meet your maker. 
In fact, it's kind of neat to see the people who, when they do die, you open up their Bibles and you see all of these passages underlined and highlighted. Those were the things that, that made sense to them, that were important to them. And, and I want this to be important to you. So underline or highlight the word watching, awake, alert. Those all mean the same thing. It, it means keep your eyes peeled. Be observant. Be on your guard. Be on your watch. Why? 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 A couple, couple reasons. Number one, the time of Jesus' return is unknown. Jesus says in verse 35, stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, and blessed are those servants. The, the time of his return is unknown, so you need to be ready to open that door when he comes. And do you see that there's a blessing for you if you do? Now, for centuries, people have tried to figure out when Jesus is going to come back, when the end is going to happen. Uh, we have spoken about this before. There are countless of Christians throughout the, the centuries who have tried to calculate from the scriptures the exact date that Jesus will come back. Most recently, I've heard that we only have about a week because uh, this newest group, they've calculated that by the end of September of 2022, Jesus will return. So, you know, th this podcast is going to go up on the uh, 25th of September. Uh, I am actually... Um, recording it on the 22nd of this uh, of September. So, you know, we may be you may not even listen to this thing. It, Jesus may have come back before before you listen to it after I have actually said it. That would be that would be okay with me, by the way. That would be okay with me. That would be exciting if Jesus would come back before then. But you know, you, you look at all these predictions and with every failed prediction you know what happens to people in this world, people even in the church? They become cynical, more and more cynical about trying to put a timeline on Jesus' coming back. And some people have just given up altogether. It's not going to happen in their lifetime, so why even worry about it? Put it out of your mind, because it's not going to happen, right? But let me ask you, how many of us, how many of us really know when Jesus is going to return? You know what the Bible says, Mark 13? Of that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor even the Son. When Jesus was here on earth, he had uh, emptied himself of the Godhead, and he made himself in the servant of a man, taking the, the form of a human. And so he limited himself. He did not consider equality with God, the, the things that God would know, something to, to grasp a, a hold of and to keep. But he emptied himself. And what that meant was he even emptied himself of the omniscience of knowing when the end of the world is going to happen. He says, not even the Son knows, only the Father. So take heed, he says. Keep on the alert, he says in Mark 13. You do not know when the appointed time will come. See, here's the difference between getting ready and being ready. You know, if we knew he was coming, then I believe most of us would just kind of slack off until it got closer, right? And then as the time grew nearer, we would get ready. We would get ready. Like the, the bumper sticker that I've uh, told our church about many times is, you know, Jesus is coming. Look busy. 
you know, that I, I think that if we have the mindset of, oh, I'm going to get ready, well, then that means I don't have to be ready. I don't have to stay ready. I just, you know, oh, Jesus is going to come back in uh, 2025. <laughs> I got a couple years uh, before I have to really worry about uh, getting my act together. See, the point of us not knowing is that we have been called not to get prepared, but to be prepared, to live each day with the anticipation that today may very well be the day. And again, as a reminder, even if we're not talking about his return to the earth, we might be talking about our appointment with death. It could happen any day as well. We're not guaranteed tomorrow at all. Jesus wants us to live our lives prepared, to be watching, to be waiting, to be worshiping, to be working. He wants us to stay alert as we live our lives. So in this first parable, Jesus says that we must be watching. We are to be ready at all times. In fact, I, I titled my message for Sunday, uh, How the Message Version of the Bible States, verse 35. It begins, keep your shirts on and keep the lights on. Keep your shirts on and keep the lights on. That almost sounds like Tom Bodet of Motel 6 will keep the light on for you. You know, when Tom Bodet says that of, of Motel 6, it means that that business is ready for when anybody comes. It could be at any time. It could be at 2 a.m. They are ready. They are ready to serve whoever comes in. In the same way, we need to uh, keep our shirts on and keep the light on for you, Jesus, so that when he returns, we are ready to serve him. Now, by the way, this is not the only time Jesus gives us this warning. In Matthew chapter 25, there's a parable of the ten virgins. These are ladies who are awaiting a wedding celebration. So they are watching for the bridegroom to arrive so that the wedding can take place. And while they're waiting for the bridegroom, he's a long time in coming. And so the oil that fuels their lamps burn out. You know, they don't have batteries back then or electricity. They would burn oil in these lamps. And it, he was so long in coming back that their oil burned out. And five of them were prepared then with extra oil. So they, they were able to refill their lamps and relight their lamps so that they were still on guard, waiting, watching. The other five, though, they, they didn't have any extra oil. And so when their lamps burned out, uh, they had to run back home to go get some more oil. And unfortunately, in the parable, while they were gone, wouldn't you know it, that's when the bridegroom decides to show up. And by the time that they then had come back to the gates for the wedding, the gates and doors were shut. They were barred, and they were left outside. The point of that parable is the same as, as what Jesus is saying here in Luke chapter 12. Don't get caught unprepared. Be watching. Be prepared. So how do we practically live that out as believers? in an efficient and effective manner. I think many problems arise because we spend most of our days not even thinking that this could be the last day of our lives on earth or that this is the, the day that Jesus could come back. I, I'm sad to say that most people, if I asked, do you believe Jesus is going to come back in your lifetime? If they were to be honest, many of them would have said, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Now, again, with what's going on in the world, now more and more people are thinking, huh, maybe so, maybe so. But until things start to get tight, most people say, I don't think it's going to come, probably not in my lifetime. But 
like the early church did. If we were to live with an absolute hope and expectation every day that this could be the last day, this could be the day Jesus comes back, I wonder how close would we grow in our relationship with the Lord? I've heard it said that the best way to prepare for the coming of Jesus is to daily practice his presence. Now, what does that mean? To practice the the presence of Jesus in our life. Not the presence like the gifts, but the presence like he is here. There there was a book that I learned of 15, 18 years ago in uh, my previous uh, ministry. Our senior pastor showed us this book by a guy named Brother Lawrence, who was a 17th century monk. And he'd written his observations about living with this understanding that Jesus is in his presence. He is in the presence of God every day. And the book is entitled The Practice of the Presence of God. I would highly recommend you read that because it it truly sheds light and shows the importance of what it means to to live daily in God's presence, even before his return. See, if we live in the presence of God every day, that prepares us. It will not make us fearful to know that he's coming back. See, we will have learned what his voice sounds like if we uh, uh, practice the presence of the Lord every day. We can know his voice so that when he calls, we are so used to that voice. It's a it's a voice of comfort and authority, a voice that's, uh, that we associate with good things. And so we can hear that voice and we can respond immediately to the call of, hey, it's time. Let's roll. We will be like the sheep that hear their shepherd's voice and follow. See, if at any point of your life it would be good to be paying attention, it's when the shepherd says, it's time. Let's go. Because you don't want to get left behind. The time is unknown. Therefore, we must be ready. But similarly, we also must be prepared because the time isn't just unknown. It's also going to be unexpected. Let's look at the next uh, couple verses here. Verse 39, Jesus continues, But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Now, it's a similar parable, right? Yeah, two verses, but it's a, all, all of a sudden he shifts from a master that comes home and his, his uh, servants are anticipating him coming home to all of a sudden a situation where if the master comes home, um, it, it, no, if the master has known when the thief is going to come, he's not going to leave his house to be broken into right? See, being unexpected is slightly different than being unknown for the time of Jesus's return. See, in the first parable, the servants are aware that the master was going to come home, and they they are aware that he could come home at any time. So they are going to be watching because they know he's coming home. That's going to be the reality. That's the fact he's coming home. They just don't know when. The second parable actually makes us uh, be a little bit more proactive in our preparedness. Jesus uses this illustration of a break-in, and that's a little bit different because um, that's not necessarily going to be a fact in your life, that your house is going to be broken into. No one is guaranteed that in their lifetime somebody's going to break into their house in the middle of the night. That's not something that you would normally expect, 
Now, if you lived in a in a, a neighborhood where there's a lot of break-ins, uh, you might, you know, the the chances go up a little bit. But that's not something that a lot of people think about. Well, what happens? What what's going to happen? I know that somebody's going to break into my house one day before I die. You can't guarantee that, right? Um, if you did expect it, then you would take precautions. You would think ahead of time. You would be proactive. And you would make sure that the house doesn't get broken into. Now, uh, an intriguing story I heard this last week. A couple, they had their car stolen from it, from right in their driveway at their house. It was uh, very upsetting. They, they reported the, thief, the theft to the police. They filled out the, uh, the insurance forms. But a few days later, that car shows back on their driveway. It's undamaged. It's actually been freshly washed, and the interior has been cleaned immaculately. And there's even a note apologizing for borrowing the car. And alongside of that note was two tickets to a touring Broadway show that uh, was coming to town at uh, the downtown theater. Now, the the couple were dumbfounded. They they were very relieved that they got the car back. And they felt that the gesture, although it was odd, was kind of a decent thing. That they, they wanted to believe in the goodness of humanity. So they took the tickets without thinking about it, and they went to the show. And when they came back from the show that night, they found their home had been broken into, and everything of value had been stolen. Not expected, right? See, that's how it's going to be for far too many people, Jesus says. In 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul says, You know full well that the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. So for the believer, the time is unknown, but it's expected. Jesus is going to come back. It's tragic how many people in this world will find the time of his coming back unexpected. But Jesus is saying that you have to be proactive in this understanding. You you have to be prepared for whatever may come. So two illustrations I have about this. First is, uh, this is why security companies actually exist. People aren't absolutely certain that somebody's going to one day break into their house, but they are now, they're at least aware of it so that they can take precautions beforehand. And so they invest resources into a home security system. And they invest that beforehand, just in case. So we have safes and we have alarm systems. Secondly, when you enlist in the military, you're not guaranteed to see action, are you? But going to war is a possibility, right? And so for those of you who are listening to me and you actually served in action, you saw uh, action on the battlefield, on the war uh, on the war front, when you entered into the military, what was the one of the very first things that happened to you? Boot camp, right? You were trained. You were trained so that you would be prepared. But those of you who who enlisted but didn't see action, what happened when you entered into the military? Same thing, right? Why? Well, you never got to see action. So, but the the, the United States military services they they didn't care if you were going to or not. They wanted you to be absolutely certain that if it did happen, you would be prepared. That they wanted, they they knew it was essential for their soldiers to be prepared in case of having to engage in combat. 
And I would imagine that those who did see action on the battlefield, I bet you you were probably glad that you were prepared, however unexpected the action was. So in both of these parables, Jesus tells us, be watching. But then he says, and I also want you to be working. And uh, now go to verse 43 real quick before we, we read this next section. And I want you to underline or highlight the phrase in verse 43, doing so. That's in the NIV or so doing in the ESV, King James Version, etc. Doing his job or his work. That's in the message in the New Century Version. See, Jesus says that there's something that we can be doing and that something that we should be doing. We should be working. We should be doing so. We should be doing our job, our work. We should be so doing. As we read a couple of weeks ago, when the Son of Man comes, is he going to find faith on the earth? It, it, Jesus, in other words, he wants when he returns, he wants to find his people faithful. Faithful in doing the work that he's called us to do. Ephesians chapter 2. We are God's workmanship, which was began by God and accomplished through his power, by the way. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Now, this is not for our salvation, but it's because of our salvation. Because we're now on God's team, there are things for us to do, good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, God, from the very beginning, chose to partner with his people to accomplish his will on his earth. This is why Jesus includes it in the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, here I am, use me. Here I am, send me. Here I am, ready to do your will. God's plan has always been for his people to be his hands and feet, to do the work here on earth. Now, in, in the middle of, of Jesus' teaching here, uh, let's, let's read 41 through 44. Ready? Here we go. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. So in the middle of that teaching, Peter says kind of a dumb question. He says, hey, Lord, is this uh, parable for us? Or is it for everybody? Now, I look at that and I think, man, that is such a human question. Oh, so you want your work to be done. Uh, does that mean everybody or just, just a few of us that are going to get to be in charge? Uh, do, do we all have to do this? Uh, or is this, uh, you know, uh, I'm sorry, do we as your apostles have to do it all? Or do other people get to help? Well, you know the answer, church. If you go back to Ephesians, this time in chapter 4, Paul says it was God who gave some to be apostles and some to be prophets and some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people, to prepare God's people, not just the prophets, not just the evangelists, not just the pastors, but to prepare God's people for works of service. Why? So that the body of Christ may be built up, continue to be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and we all become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Uh, is this one for us or for everyone? Well, Jesus answers Peter with one more mini parable, and it's about all believers going about doing 
the work that God has called us to do. It's the faithfulness that we must be showing as members of the body of Christ in obedience to what the master is looking for upon his return, which means that the work which Jesus has given those who are saved to do is what we should be engaged in when he comes back. Um, we're considered faithful when we're doing the will of Jesus in our life. This is why we decide to put into our bulletin each week this year the 49 commandments that we receive directly from Jesus. See, Jesus said he, he came to fulfill the law, to bring us back to the heart of God through his word. And we begin to see God's will in those commands of Jesus. See, if I'm not trying to live by what Jesus taught, then I am not being faithful. Blessed is that servant, it says in verse 43, whom his master will find so doing, the things that he is supposed to be doing when he comes. I, I, I don't want you to miss the fact that for the faithful, there is a promised reward. Back in verse 37, we're told that when the master comes home, he's going to serve the servers. Isn't that cool? That he, he will come and he will set a table for them and have them recline at the table and he will actually serve them. Isn't that great? And here in verse 44, we read that there's going to be a reward that is given to the faithful steward who manages the master's resources well. Uh, truly, I tell you, Jesus says, he will set him over all his possessions. What a reward that is for a servant to be entrusted with something even greater. Now, though it should not be the main reason that we follow Jesus, I don't think that we should ever shy away from pro proclaiming the promise that there is going to be a reward, that there is a blessing, both here in this life and in the life to come, for those who have been faithful in their servanthood being both watching and waiting, being prepared, being ready, and being faithful. Now, as we kind of come to a close today, on the flip side of those blessings and rewards, we see a terrible reality and a chilling warning to those who are not faithful. I'm going to finish up with verses 45 and 46. But, but if that servant says to himself, oh, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him at an hour that he does not know and will cut him into pieces and put him with the unfaithful. Whoa. Jesus sums this all up in the last verse of this section, verse 48. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone, sorry, everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. Let me read that again. Everyone to whom much was given, of that person much will then be required. From him to whom is entrusted much will be demanded the more. Interesting. Faithfulness will always be rewarded. And when you prove to be faithful, God will give you more to be faithful with. But faithfulness, you must understand, begins in the heart and then demonstrated in the hands. That's why Jesus said that you will know the kind of person someone is by their fruit. 
by what is being produced in their life. A faithful person will have allowed the Holy Spirit to cultivate that fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Otherwise, it's not praise that awaits us. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. But it's punishment. Verse 46 is pretty harsh when it comes to those who are not working as they have been called. This is why our church, Calview Christian, must be in the business of helping people grow closer to the Lord and deeper in their faith. This is why we must be people who know the principles of Scripture, who walk according to His laws. This is why we must develop spiritual habits in our life, devotionals and and service and uh, fellowship that will help the Holy Spirit cultivate generosity and discipline and a passion for the lost and a zeal for integrity. This is why we must continue to serve as we connect and grow. For as we work in anticipation of Jesus' return, we'll get better and better and better at at him working in and through us, allowing him to work in and through us. So here's a very practical thing. God is at work. And there are things that only he can do, like the healing of bodies, the healing of emotions, the, the miraculous restoration of relationships. But too often people wonder why God doesn't do something about, oh, whatever, poverty or starving children in Africa, whatever. Have you ever considered that he wants to? And that he has chosen as the means to do that by using his people to bring about righteousness in those areas. Where is it that God is leading you to work as you watch so that you can show yourself faithful to what God wants you to do? How can you redeem your time that you've been given here on earth to make a difference as a disciple in God's kingdom? Does anyone remember the old commercial from the 70s or the 80s? It uses the Carly Simon song, Anticipation. Anticipation, anticipation is making me wait. You remember what that was for? Ketchup. Ketchup, yeah. I I think it was a Heinz 57 ketchup. They're trying to say that their ketchup was so thick that when you... um, are holding it up to pour on your french fries or on your burger. You had to wait and wait and watch until it came out of the bottle. And apparently it was a good thing to wait. I don't I don't get that. I don't want to wait when I'm hungry and I got a burger that's nice and hot and steamy and ready to be consumed. I don't want to have to wait for the ketchup to come out. Only did the only thing it did for me was get me frustrated. It's like get out of that dang bottle. But Jesus says we must actually live our life in anticipation, watching, but also working. Okay? You don't open up that ketchup bottle and then go away and then forget about it until the ketchup finally comes out. No, you have something to do. And and I found the secret is to not hit the bottom of the bottle, but the side of the bottle to do what you can to work so that you facilitate the ketchup coming out. All of that to say is it's, that's a modern parable, if you will, about God has called us to be pouring ketchup, in a sense, his spirit, into this world. One day he's going to come back, and he wants us to be ready. And by being ready, we are anticipating. We are waiting for his return, 
for that ketchup to be coming out of the bottle. But we're also doing what we can. We are working, doing the things he wants us to do so that we can be a participant in bringing about his kingdom. That's, that's how you can be joyful when it finally does happen, because all the things that you have worked for are finally realized. What a day of rejoicing that will be when we all get to heaven. When Jesus comes back, it should not be a fearful time. It shouldn't be something that we forget about. It should be a time that we're working towards, that we're saying, God, whatever we need to do, we will do to get that ketchup out of the bottle. All right. Well, that's uh, all I need to say about this kind of stuff. We went a little long again. Um, thank you so much for uh, tuning in and, and uh, continuing to turn in. Uh, if you're ever in our area, I'd love to have you swing by and tell me that you've been uh, listening to the podcast or you want to drop a, 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 an email at tray.pbcc at gmail.com or even on our website, uh, the uh, powerbutechurch.com. Uh, if you scroll down, there's a, a place that you can send us in prayer requests or just messages. Uh, thank you, uh, Lisa Welly and, and uh, Steve Pittman, all of those guys that uh, make this podcast possible. And uh, thank God for one day coming back. I'm looking forward to it. I hope you are as well.